Welcome to Courage in Action. We are a sisterhood of women empowering women to be everything we are meant to be. I'm your host, Naluka Kotagata, and it is my privilege to join your life journey as we connect with some extraordinary, triumphant, and beautifully imperfect women through this podcast. Together, we hope to inspire you to take action towards your life goals, one courageous step at a time. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Courage in Action. When we talk about power, it's often related to being forceful and harsh. Today, we're going to discover how powerful kindness can be. Our guest is Lori Flasco, founder and CEO of Lori Flasco Associates Incorporated. She is a sought-after keynote speaker, trainer, professional coach, and customer service expert. On top of all of that, Lori is a mom, and she authored a book called Bullying is Not a Game, A Parent's Survival Guide. With kindness at the heart of everything she does, Lori is here to show us how kindness can transform homes, workplaces, and communities. Welcome, Lori. Thank you so much. It's great to be here. Thanks. It's amazing to have you. Um, I'm very curious about how kindness came to be sort of at the heart and soul of everything you do. How did that acute interest in kindness come to be? Mm, That's a great question. Um, I have to say it probably was always, but Mm. it became intentional uh, after my daughter was bullied, severely bullied. And um, and, you know, and, and went through that as a mom, wrote, co-wrote this book to help other parents and kids that were struggling. And then, you know, there was not, and even though I spoke about it and I did a lot of work around bullying, I didn't see a lot of change. And it was a really hard topic and subject to speak about. And I made an intentional decision and choice at that particular point to rather than talk about bully, bullying, switch into kindness. And that's when I made it a huge piece of my business as well. And it's made a, it's made a big difference. So that's really interesting. Like talking about, it's almost like talking about the problem doesn't work, but talking about the solution does. So Uh I'm so sorry your daughter had to go through that. Um, But as you were navigating that, how did the, how did the kids respond to it? Was there something that changed when you were able to talk to kind, talk to them about kindness? Well, I never, I didn't actually get to talk to them about kindness. And oh. that was the interesting thing. When, when, um, when I wrote the book, when I started to talk about bullying, uh, I didn't want to talk about anything else. I want, I didn't want to talk about prevention. I didn't want to talk about empathy. I just knew my daughter was going through this and I wanted the bullying to stop. And there was nobody helping to stop it. You were mama bear at that point. Oh my gosh, absolutely. So that was really important. It was a different lens to look at is how do we stop it? And I know even now there's so many parents and kids that are struggling with it. They just want the bullying to stop. And so I put the strategies and very focused in for parents and educators and the kids. Um, And I, and I knew that that was really important and the book was there for them, but I also knew for me, I needed to switch and talk about the ways that we could change things. And that's, I believe through kindness. That's amazing. So um, out of all of that, how would you advise you know, what are some of the things that parents can do if their kids are, are struggling with this? 
right now. Oh my gosh. There's so many things that parents can do. Um, and it's first of all, recognizing that this is hard. This is really oh tough. It's horrendous. Yeah. It's horrendous. And yeah. kids don't know what to do. They don't know what to do. They don't know how to handle it. And I think even the bullies don't know what to do. It's just a confusing time all around for, for kids. And um, I think parents have to remember that they are their child's advocate. They mm -hmm. have to make sure that their child is safe going to school. Um, there's times where the schools, I remember, uh, didn't invite me. They, they just told my daughter what to do and they didn't keep me informed and they made some really poor choices. Oh, and so as a parent, you've got to be included in the conversation. And a lot of times it's, uh, it's against like, you know, you talked about, I think, power and forcefulness and, and that in mm -hmm. your intro, that's what it was like dealing with the school. It was the school against my daughter versus <laughs> school against the wow. bullies. Yeah. And as a parent, you have to really work towards creating that safe environment for your child to go to school, watching, watching over your child, working with the school and not giving up, really knowing what the laws are, what the rights, what your rights are, but also to be able to do it in a respectful way where you're not creating, you know, attention with the school that you're working with the school that can be really hard, really mm. hard. And, and, you know, as a parent, it's uh, one thing that I did right is I kept track of everything because that you have to prove that it's bullying. So in order to prove it's oh, bullying. So the burden's on you to prove Oh, yes, absolutely. And then also to recognize that when your child's bullying or when they're being bullied, they their reaction could be to bully back. Their reaction could be to just want to disappear. I mean, there's so mm. many, it's, it's not always easy. It can be complicated. So it's super important for parents and schools to work together to eliminate this and not to um, just say, oh, kids will be kids. Uh, mm. That's the wrong thing, the wrong thing. And I know for my daughter too, they, um, they had put her into a classroom with all of the other bullies and no adults and told them to work it out. Oh <laughs> my God. You can't do that. <laughs> you oh, can't do that. No. So, so there was a lot of damage, I think that was done. And even, you know, restorative justice and things where there's, there's ways of handling situations. The school was not up on it. Sometimes they had, you know, a kind heart, but they didn't know what they were doing. And it just got worse, got worse. I can imagine after that, that would not have been a good experience. And it, something you said there just sort of resonated is that it, the, you know, the people who were running the school are actually good people. They just weren't equipped with the right training or tools to actually be able to create a safe environment for the kids, mm -hmm. which probably actually ties, it's kind of making sense to me, ties back to that's, a, that's also a workplace and an environment mm -hmm. um, for everyone working there and they weren't equipped to deal with this sort mm -hmm. of thing. Mm -hmm. And I think um, that's probably a, adults need to learn how to be kind first and potentially deprogram things that they've learned throughout their lives too. Absolutely. And is that sort of where you focus? Is that how um, people can, because you can say be kind and people are like, yes, that's, that's very nice. Of course, I'm like, I'm a nice person. 
and go on with their day? How do they actually start to act in a more kind and mindful way? Well, and that's, you know, that's a good, a good point is I think it does have to be mindful. It does need to be intentional. Mm-hmm. And, in, and sometimes we, you know, when we talk about kindness, we think it's this soft, fluffy thing. We yes. think that when you're kind, you're a pushover. And that's not kindness. That's being a pushover. That's, you know, being avoiding. So I think we have to look at really what kindness is. And um, kindness can be strong. It can impact tough conversations that you might have to have with somebody. Mm -hmm. Uh, It can be certainly random acts of kindness. But when you bring kindness into, let's say, a workplace, into a team, it builds trust. It builds relationships. Um, We know that it helps with collaboration, it lowers stress levels and um, has an impact on people's mental health. So these are really powerful things that kindness does. But you're right, it does start certainly with being intentional in in yourself and how you want to deal with people and let things go and do amazing kind acts to build relationships. Mm -hmm. So you mentioned something there that I think people struggle with in a work and like work corporate environment, everybody's supposed to be professional and straightforward and this, and like, you do have to have tough conversations sometimes. How do you, how do you incorporate kindness into that sort of definition that has been so ingrained in in, in a lot of people? Well, I, I like to talk about, I'll tell you about an amazing leader that I know. Her name is Carol Benoit and Carol was an immigration officer and she was, one of the most highly recognized officers. And at the same time, and I worked with her and her team at the same time, Carol was also being, um, being studied by national headquarters because she was, she had the, um, the highest productivity rate, the highest efficiency turnaround quality in the country. So she's getting this amazing award for leadership. And then she has all these things going on. So when you think about that, you would think if you walked into her her office, you would expect to see everybody's head down working like crazy. When in actual fact, her office is alive. Like you walk in, there's people laughing and they're talking and Carol, you know, Carol will walk through and she'll say, great job in that report and stop at somebody else's desk and say, Hey, you got a toothache, go home or good luck with your kids so for her it was all about building relationships that was key and foremost number one and she throws kindness around but she will stop anything but kindness too and one of the conversations that I had with her was about um, a situation where one of her employees had fallen asleep in her meeting and and I laughed because (laughs) you don't fall asleep in Carol's meeting So, so what it boiled down to, and she takes a coach approach in the work that she does. And she has, and I like to share this with people because there are four simple questions she asks. And the first one is, um, what's going on? So that's it. Hey, fell asleep in the meeting. What's going on? So it's not, you fell asleep in my meeting. What's going on? It's just a real interest in the person. And then they talk and then it's, so, you know, what will you do differently the next time? So can't have you fall asleep at my meetings anymore. What are you going to do different next time? Not this is what you're going to do, or I'm going to do this. This, what do you do? And then they talk. And then the next one is, um, what can I do to support you? 
great, right? You're, yeah. you're the supervisor, the manager, what can I do? And the fourth one is happens after, and that's a follow-up. And, and that's a, how's it going? And the reason why you asked that after is because, you know, as you know, as a leader, after you have those tough conversations, it's when people go away that the emotions start to yeah. kick in, like the blame yeah. and the anger and the, you know, the embarrassment. So you follow up and you just say, hey, how's it going? You yeah. know, how, we had a tough conversation. You, do, you know, do you want to talk about it? Or, hey, great job in that meeting. And yeah. as Carol and I talked about these things, one of the things that she said that made huge sense to me is there, and you know this, how many times do we hear managers, leaders, other people say, well, I'm just direct and people know exactly <laughs> where they stand with me. I just say it how it is. And they yeah. don't think, right? They don't think, they just dish it out. And she said, you know, that's fine. And I, and I, when I look at Carol, I think, okay, that's fine. That is not Carol. And Carol gets results. But Carol's yeah. point to me was, what would happen if a month later, when this guy came into my office and told me I had cancer, what would have happened if that's how I would have treated him? And sure. I thought, you know what? Good point. You know, we yeah. don't know what people are going through. So kindness is not sweeping things under the carpet. It's about how you deal with situations that really make it kind or uh, make it kind. Yeah. It is almost like a very um, attentive approach. It's yes. not about you and what you need to deliver and all of these things. It's about what's going on with that person. Right. Right. And you said something really poignant there. And I think we do it all the time that we assume that everybody's good, but you never below that surface, you never know what's going on. You and don't every, know. every human part of the human experience is to uh, work your way through, through some sort of difficulty or challenge or trauma or something. Everybody's life has that. So, and, and right now, right. Don't we see that oh. even more with COVID there's, Oh my yes. gosh, there's so many spinning plates. I can't imagine being a parent today, you mm -hmm. know, and, <laughs> and in a workplace and working virtually and having kids being yeah. next to you. And there's a lot of things that, that go on. And, and sometimes we aren't ourselves. We aren't our happy go lucky and people don't understand that. I think sometimes. Yeah. It, it's um, empathy. A lot of empathy, empathy required, especially at this time. And it's connecting with people even via video. I mean, we're talking via video today. Um, and in an ideal world, we'd be sitting in the same room and having a conversation because yeah. you just have that sort of more um, like a deeper connection, just physically being able to be around other people. And that's huge, right? That's huge. Certainly, I think we're talking about kids. It's huge with kids, huge in the workplace. Um, we are made to we're made to connect that's how we not only survive but we thrive and loneliness is a bigger killer they say than obesity like that's huge mm. and now you put that and put us into covid and like when you were working in the workplace you used to be able to see people in another department and say hi and wave All and the time. Have, yeah. right have these coffee conversations as you're walking down the hall we miss those yeah. and so much research is actually showing that um, people that are working remotely, um, they're saying collaboration has decreased. They're mm -hmm. saying relationships with their coworkers are more strained when they what they were. So there's a lot of impact and effects that have taken place as a result of of us not seeing each other in person. So there's an yeah. adjustment there. 
Yeah. And I think it'll even be an adjustment to go back. Yes. To, it's a, uh, you know, I used to run around hugging everybody. I would meet everybody and a big hug, say, you're nice to meet you. And I'm like, don't come in. <laughs> Social distance. Well, what, what are, what are you going to do now? Cause it's true. Know. It's true. <laughs> like, and, and there's going to be an awkwardness, right? Yes. That's going to happen. And, and, uh, and you being a customer service, and I know for me too, we used to talk about the importance of a handshake as far as yes. building trust, that oxytocin, what's going to be our new handshake? Cause we have to find something. We you know, do. What's, what's that way? Yeah. And, and, and I've always. Quite like eye contact. Yeah. Eye contact. Yeah, eye contact on the screen. Like, I know I'm looking at you. Do you know that I'm looking at you or looking at, am I looking at myself? You don't know. I don't know. <laughs> well, and we forget to look into that camera, right? So Yeah, yeah, exactly. exactly. Yeah. It's, a, it's certainly an adjustment. And I think it's interesting that the entire world is going through it or was going through it together. Um, yes. Probably a bit phased out, but it, there have been some interesting lessons. Uh, I think so. And I think that's important to stop and really reflect, you know, whether it's with the team, even with your team, reflect what, what were those lessons? What were the things that we learned? What are the things that we want to remember to take, take back with us? What are the, the yeah. things that we don't want to? I think that reflection time is going to be really important as we enter this next stage. Yeah. And it, even for yourself, like just stepping back and thinking about what, what you like my hugs, I have no idea how we're going to dying to hug a human, but you know, <laughs> so we'll have to adjust that. Um, yeah. Well, and, and you know what, not to change the subject, but I have uh -huh. to tell you hugging, like it's, you create oxytocin by touch. Yes. Yeah. Right? That's when you shake somebody's hand. And uh, I just did a really, so I'm at Stanford University right now and studying compassion. Oh, and I love it. Yeah, it's pretty neat. One of the, one of the other ladies that I'm, I'm with, she brought some research forward about touch. And, and I, I, I think we all, we all know this. We know the importance of hugging and, yeah. you know, hugging a loved one. And my husband and I have been married for 39 years and he. Wow. Gave me an article and he said, look, five hugs a day and we can live forever. You know, the fountain of youth. So we're 39 years. We do the power hugs. One, two, three, four, five and run out the door. But he's, you know, he's had cancer and our hugs have become long hugs. And oh, wow. it's incredibly important to, to, for us, especially during this connection time to do that. So if, you know, there's many people that don't have a significant other, somebody else to hug in their, in their yeah. place. And yeah. so what she did is she talked about the power of touch and she had us do this meditation where we were actually, we touched our face, we touched our hands, touched oh, our heart. And gosh, and I, I'm not a, I'm learning meditation. I'm not a meditator. It was a powerful exercise. So we can actually yeah. give ourselves a little bit of self-compassion just through our own, you know, touching our, our hands or our face or our heart. So that was really cool. That's really interesting. Cause I'm, I'm by no means a meditation expert in any way, shape or form, but learning also, um, and learning a bit more about like how your body actually holds your entire story. Everything that's happened in your life is somewhere in your body. You can feel it. You can connect with it somehow. And that's, that's really interesting. I'd never sure understood. Is. Before, so. Yes, sure is.
And I, well, I love that Stanford is teaching that now. Like, yes. It's becoming more, it's coming more and more to the forefront, this whole uh, connection with other people, connection with ourselves, um, and how to tap into that. That's that self-compassion piece. And, you know, yeah. you have to be compassionate to yourself in order to be compassionate to somebody else. And I think that we forget that we think, oh, you know, we feel too guilty to take care of ourselves. We have to take care of everybody else. No, you have to take care of yourself first. And that's a powerful lesson for some people. So it's, yeah, it's a great, great course and lots of great learning. That's amazing. I think self-compassion is a tough thing to wrap your head around in, in normal times. And then if you think about it, if, you know, you're a parent with a child that's being bullied or like, how do you stop and be like, I need to care for myself before my child. Oh yeah. Well, and you <laughs> know what? It's harder and harder, right? It is. So, it's hard. Yeah. And that was something I used to talk about is you do like when I was going through that, you have to be strong for your child. Like yes. there's, I had to be strong for my child. I'd be strong for my husband. There was other things that were happening. And it's like, okay, it's only like, it's me. I'm, I'm holding everything up, but yeah. who's going to hold me up? And I remember, yeah. I remember I, I, we had a particularly scary night and we had an ambulance ride to the hospital. Mm-hmm. And in that ride, the EMS um, just, she put her arm around me and honestly, I broke down. Oh yeah. moment I my whole all those years had just come tumbling down and it was I don't know if it was it was a good thing or not because once once that happens it's like am I ever going to recover you know I ever going to get myself and my strength back but she helped me through that she really did but I knew I needed to get some help and I had to I had to get my own counselor and that was probably the best thing because you know what my marriage was was breaking down. Everything around me was crumbling because I wasn't taking care of the other of important yourself. things. Yeah, yeah, of me. Yeah. So yeah. you're right. You have to have that. In, and even if it's just ten minutes a day, like mm-hmm. ten, we can we can give up ten we minutes. Can get a day. ten minutes a day. Yes, absolutely. And, and, and it's intentional. Intentional, and you don't have to do it by yourself. Yeah, such an yes. important thing because. Whoever that EMT was, she was, you know, just reaching out and she, the touch, the connection. And I would say it's, it's a great thing because that release then led you to, I need help and I've got to take care of this. And I, and all these other things that happened from there. And I'm a a huge proponent for therapy. I'm like, it's been great in my (laughs) life. There's no shame around it. No. Wonderful things. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And, you know, when I, so I do a really incredible team building program with, um, with teams, it's called a thousand acts of kindness and, oh, it's so cool. And (sighs) I measured the results. So I looked at, I knew, I knew Berkeley and Stanford and all these big players have all this great um, research on how it impacts, how it lowers anxiety, how it Mm. does all these things. So I wanted to see my, for myself. So one of the hospitals in Niagara um, was also doing a thousand acts. And I went in and I studied from them and I spoke to their groups and they're up to over 40,000, just before COVID 40,000 acts of kindness. And what they experienced was a, and this is in the hospitals, a 20% decrease in incidents of violence and harassment. 
and that's wow. with patients within staff. That was so significant that they um, they've made it part of the accreditation process. So the Ministry of Health, so phenomenal. That's um, amazing. Amazing. I did it with public health nurses, to just under 200, and we did some pre and post measurements, and there was a boost in happiness, and there mm-hmm. uh, by about 23% in the workplace, 14% boost of happiness at home, and a yeah. boost of kindness. So when you look at this, this whole thing of doing these acts of kindness, it's amazing the impact of what it does in the workplace and in your personal life. It makes you stronger. <laughs> How do you measure it? Like people have to report back on this was the act of kindness that I did? Well, we measured it by um, looking at their mood, their happiness, their kindness, but Uh, the actual uh, thousand acts of kindness, they did, they had to go in and they had to do these acts of kindness every day, post them what they did and what the impact was. And when you actually do that, when you do um, research, there's one research study that shows just five acts in one day. One day mm-hmm. a week, like don't mm-hmm. do it every day. Every day, <laughs> one day, and yeah. different ones over the course of period period of time. Um, moods can boost sometimes up to forty two percent. They found like it's it's wow. it's remarkable. So that's what uh, and if you um, if you reflect on it. So if you actually write down or you know before you go to bed, reflect what you did and reflect on the impact. That's when you really see the you know, the, the beauty, that's when it really has the impact. So it's almost like a similar to like, you know, we often hear about gratitude practice, yes. like writing down everything that you're thankful for. Yes. It's like a kindness practice almost. It's a kindness practice. You're absolutely right. Yes. Because Sean, um, Acar, the, the kindness, uh, the happiness advantage. Yeah, he yeah. talks about that and the recording and the research on kindness shows the same thing. If you can actually stop and reflect on it, and the impact, then that's where you're really going to feel that boost of happiness and the mood enhancer. Right. And so you, you've actually called it in your work, you call it the kindness advantage. Is that, is that what it refers to? It, it's the, when I talk about the kindness advantage, when I first started, it was really about making a strategic um, a strategic practice as a leadership, as an organization to incorporate kindness into the work. And I didn't want, uh, you know, at one point I considered changing my brand to kindness. And what I realized is people won't hire. So I do a lot of customer service training. They're not going to hire me, but when I can get in and I, and I'm solid in, in the other work that I do, and then get an opportunity to talk about that, because really, you know, what is customer experience? It is about being kind, right? Yeah, yeah. And, it's about and, engaging and connection with yes. other people. And yeah. Yes. So, so it's, it's woven in kind of indirectly that way. That's really, that's really neat. Um, so you went through, um, you've obviously got tons and tons of experience. I think over 25 years of experience in this sort of corporate training and, and all of that led you to um, creating this foundation. What was it like? I think one, one of the things you mentioned is at one time you trained over 2,500 people. How do you get that message across to like, I know you weren't training on the kindness advantage there, but like to the masses, like how do you sort of create a true cultural change um, in a large team? Yeah. Um, I believe it starts with the leader. 
It mm -hmm. absolutely, I mean, it can start anywhere, but if yeah. you want to look at the cultural change, it starts with the leader. It starts with the leader that walks the talk and that sets the standards with people, reinforces those standards, whether it's through storytelling or um, through their own action, holding people accountable to things that aren't kind. So when, when rather than again, sweeping things under the carpet, addressing things in a kind, respectful way, listening, yeah. um, just role modeling all of that. Mm -hmm. And then the other piece is rewarding and recognition, recognizing the, the behaviors that you want to see. So, yeah. you know, when you, um, when you are at the top, you have an opportunity to bring on a culture or start that culture, start um, the ripple effect, because one act of kindness can create four more. But we know as humans, it's not the kindness that we look for first. It's things that go wrong. Yes. And, yeah. You know, right? Yeah. And, and even if you think about a meeting that a team has, if, if it's, um, you know, we're, we're after usually numbers and uh, your KPIs and, and everything, yet what if we stopped and we told uh, a story about kindness with the customer? Or what if we stopped at the beginning, if, if kindness is one of our values and we stopped and talked about how somebody made an impact on the team, yeah. um, what, would that, what would that turn your meeting around to? How, how would that impact your culture if yeah. we really focused on that just as much as we do the other results? It doesn't take that much extra time. That's the whole thing. We think, oh, we're too busy. We, we don't have time. But it really doesn't take that much extra time. But what it does is that fuels, it adds fuel and passion and creates a work environment that's positive that, you know, we talk about psychological trust. It goes back to what Google identified as the high performing teams. It, yeah. it wasn't their skills. It was psychological trust and safety. And yes. that trust comes from kindness. Mm -hmm. And so you put that little bit of extra effort and focus on it. And it's amazing the productivity, the performance results that you have when a team right. takes care and is kind to each other. And it's, you know, it's really interesting. You say that it, it do, of course it starts with the leader. And I think that gen then creates a, um, like it impacts the whole culture. And I'm just thinking about a couple of examples in, in my experience, and I'm not a perfect leader by any stretch of the imagination. I, I don't think anybody, I think we're all learning, right? <laughs> not, it's not yeah. about perfect. No, and I've, I've had my moments of, of being in the, you know, um, in, the, in the less than perfect mindset, I'll put it that way. But I remember a couple of times, one, I was going through a horrendous breakup at the time. And another one was a particularly tough, tough restructure that was going on. And during the breakup, I had one of my team members just come into my office and sit down and she said, uh, you don't have to tell me what's going on, but I know something's up. Don't worry about it. We've got everything covered. And I was just like, oh my God, I wanted to leap over my desk and hug her. <laughs> and I just, you know, and that solidified my trust in her and just gave me sort of so much faith and and um, a more recent example. Well, it was so, uh, so I have to ask you though, huh. like really truly how, how hard was that, that like, how much time did that take for her to do that? Not even, it was, you know, it was just a few minute conversation and I just, you know, was incredibly thankful to her and she's like, yeah, don't, don't worry about it. And look it's at the good. impact, right? Yeah. Look at oh, the it, impact of that. I remember it more than 
any of these two things. Yeah. And so the other one was a restructure we were going through and I was making sure everybody was okay. And, and uh, one of my team members, he reached out and he was like, um, you know, we, we really don't do this with our leaders a lot. And so I just want to check how you are. And I was like, oh my God, <laughs> if I can hug you through this video, I can't. You know what? I'm so grateful that he did that. And yeah, actually that- and actually that you even shared it because something like recognition and mm -hmm. thank you, we don't mm -hmm. give it enough. And yeah. like you just said, I, I often think about that, ma that management level. I do a really cool, um, uh, just, and, and I know a lot of people do it, but just the gifts of kindness. So in a training, I might say, you know, write a, a note of appreciation to somebody at your table and you don't sign it you put it in their envelope. Mm -hmm. And I had a manager that was struggling with her team. There, there was a lot of conflict. And after the training, she's like reading these things. She's saying, oh my gosh, I had no idea. And what I learned was managers, and I, not that I learned, I knew this, but in her case, like managers, they get it. They get lots of grief from, from below from yeah. up top, right? Yeah. And they get very little positive, you know, reinforcement there. And so yeah. the more we can do that for each other as a manager, the more employees can lift their managers up, they'll start seeing more smiles, happier yeah, managers absolutely. too, right? Absolutely. Yeah. 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 Well, it's, a, uh, it's, it's humanity. We're all in this together. That's the thing. Uh, that's everybody's just a person at the end of the day, mm. you know, and, and uh, leaders can get built up into these things that you can't approach and can't talk to sometimes. And, you know, you got to step back and think, you know what, they're just a human trying to do the best they can do because everybody's trying to do the best they can do yes. at the end of the day for everybody, you know, and it, uh, and we have to remind ourselves of that, right? Sometimes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. And that can change everything in an instant. Kindness can change everything in an instant. In an instant. I, and I've seen it. I've seen it heal relationships in the workplace, really tough things that have happened. I've seen it heal it. I've seen it, you know, build strong relationships. And it, it's really powerful. Yeah. It's powerful. And you've turned it into a business. <laughs> so how do, you, how do you actually choose, you know, the customer's, because we do choose who our customers are at the end of the day, um, particularly when you're in a consulting kind of world. How do you choose the ones that you can see that potential or that you know you can you can help them turn around? Because there must be something there to start with. Well, it's it's. Um, I think sometimes too we attract the customers that we want to work yeah. with too. Yeah. Um, and the best customers that I have, the best are the ones that really do truly want to make a change mm. and they put things into practice. So, so it's not just show up and bring your team members in and yeah, we're going to do this and then go away and forget about it. They yeah. actually do make it sustainable. They actually do put some things into practice and measure it and they don't let it slide. And that is, I mean, that's the great, that's the best. And the mm -hmm. other ones that are really good to work with are the ones that are already doing a really good job and want to get even better. Because oh, if, okay. you're, if you're working in an environment that is completely poisoned and you're working with a leader that is also buying into that and just for whatever reason says, no, we need to change this, but their heart isn't in it, that's yeah. not going to change anything. Right. Yeah. 
So you've got to want to change. You've got to want want to to do these things. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's the key to it. And Hmm. getting to a point where you recognize that. So if you're in this kind of, um, not trauma state, but you know, you get into the, the mama bear state, you could do that at work too, or you're getting into this sort of defensive mode. Yeah. How do we take a step back and try and just pause. pause. It's really hard to do. Yeah, it is hard to do. But I think you're right. How how do we take a step back and pause? Is um, we we know the importance of reflection, and now I think is the time the best time to do that. As you said, we're now gearing up. Um, we're yeah. gearing up to go back into maybe workplaces, or we're deciding we're going to stay remote, or we're going to have a hybrid. We also know that our customers are gearing up. Like there's a lot of changes right now with, with our customers. So it is a super important time to have that conversation around let's stop and let's reflect what worked, what, what didn't, what do we need to continue? What do we need to start? And I also, you know, just to kind of go back to one of the other questions that you, you talked about, I think the best client also has a person that's championing it, that is able, like has the authority, has the um, the ability to champion that change. Sometimes mm-hmm. they they say or they give it the you know this project to a manager who really doesn't have the authority or the power to make a change. It's got to be given to that right level in the organization. Somebody responsible, somebody that's um, has the ability to to do this, and I think that's a key part too. The ability and probably the capacity is the capacity because it, it, you yes. know it's, if you think about you know it's a lot of times companies will put initiatives into place to drive culture and to you know um, drive morale and and it's important but sometimes it feels like it's on top of everything else. You're like, oh, great. Now you want me to do a thousand kind things in a day? Like, how the hell am I going to do this? You know? So how, how do you get people started? Even with a thousand acts of kindness, like, yeah. how do you get people started? So you're absolutely right. It's, it's got to be built for success. Okay. So if you have a leader that, and the organization is at capacity, it needs to be super simple right? Because otherwise, <laughs> yes. you're not going to do it. No. And so that's part of that discussion at the beginning is where, you know, what do you want this to be? How much time do you have? And it can be very simple. So, um, so for example, one of the, the, the organizations that I worked with, it did come, it was um, the, the top rolled it out, supported it, but they, they got a bunch of kindness ambassadors throughout the organization. Okay. Those ones that are influential that you know can just get people going, they brought those on board. And yeah. those individuals, this was part of their project to roll it out, to count it, to make it fun, to make it exciting. They gave a little bit of a budget for prizes and gifts. And, you know, and again, depending on what you want to do, this group decided to meet once a week. And yeah. that once a week, they had a little bit of a budget for some special goodies. And what that did was it brought, and so again, you want to measure and you want to look at this, it brought people who normally sit at their desks together. And Mm. that was a huge piece. And overall, and it ended up increasing their innovation because they started to talk together and started to do some, you know, things that they hadn't done before. So 
there's so many benefits that you also want to make sure that you capture because you might say I'm at capacity, but some of these other things can actually reduce some of the things that are on your plate, like maybe other conflict and other challenges. Right. So it's just kind of managing all that, but you're right. It's not one person should do it all. One that leader is responsible, but can't do it. It's, it's really up to the team and, 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 empowering the team and mobilizing a team to do it. Empowering is a really important part of that, that mm-hmm. they feel they can actually make a difference with mm-hmm. the tiny little acts that they're doing. And yeah. how do you, how do you carry that um, back into the home? Like how, how did, how do parents teach their kids about kindness and, and living, living life this way from the beginning as opposed to waiting? Well, you know, it's, I think, again, you, you use the word intentional at the start and, mm-hmm. As a parent, we love our kids so much, right? That's what we want. Yet sometimes we get so busy. I don't know about you. When I was a when I was a young mom, I was so in my head, so much of the time sitting at the dinner table with my daughter that sometimes you know, she could have asked me, mom, can I eat chocolate all night? And I'd say, yeah, sure. (laughs) You know, I didn't even hear her. And so it starts, I think, with being present and making a commitment to yourself that these are things you want and still in your, in your child and knowing that they watch you like a hawk. Everything. Everything. So they're going to watch and they're going to take and learn from you. So, Mm -hmm. you know, even if you can be intentional, just a little bit more than normal or be, you know, talk about kindness in your, like how I was doing, um, one of the studies showed that when I was doing conversations about bullying it was one in three kids were being bullied most oh my gosh, recently that's really high sorry one in five one in five most recently it was one in three yeah and so it's the numbers have gone sky high and a friend of mine who's a teacher what he found was uh he did an informal survey with his kids and he found that out of 13 of his kids 10 of them ate dinner in their rooms alone oh my three god of them three of them, and they were foster kids, ate dinner with their family. And so I thought, that's crazy. And my girlfriend said, oh, my sons eat on their own. And I thought, okay, who, who's teaching your kids? Who's their role models? What are they learning? What are they watching on the internet? Uncontrolled, like oh. wide open world. Yeah. And that's a bit scary. So as Very a parent, yeah. right, it's, it's making that intentional decision to have conversations, to talk about this, to role model it. I think that, you know, your word intention is a, is a big, powerful word. Yeah, and kid, you, you know, to your point, uh, and I'm not a parent, so I can't even imagine how everybody's negotiating, um, you know, COVID and everything else. But mm-hmm. it, it's the, it's your actions that will speak the loudest in terms of kids picking up on that and 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 really learning it in, in terms of who they are. Yeah. I mean, it's interesting that you brought up that stat because we do a lot of work with uh, Kids Help Home uh, through the mm-hmm. Grocery Foundation as well, mm-hmm. and. Um, just the stats there are skyrocketing. The number of kids um, that are reaching out, particularly during COVID, because, Mm -hmm. you know, we talked about this in the beginning, they can't go out and spend time with, they can't hang out with their friends or play with their friends when, you know, when they're really little and this kind of thing. And I'm just like, I I worry about the whole generation that 
heartbreaking. Right? Yes, it is heartbreaking. One of the things that we do know about kindness is there's a feedback loop. And a lot of times, you know, we think, um, like it, we're built to be kind and yes. we get a benefit from it. So when we're kind, we actually feel happy. Mm-hmm. And when we're happy, we want to do more kindness. Yes. And that's a really good thing. So when we can get our kids out there doing kindness and actually seeing the results, they actually end up feeling happier. And that helps mm-hmm. our mental health. And, mm-hmm. and I, and I got to tell you, um, there's a story that I think when, when I was preparing for this, I thought was powerful. Um, you ever see the kindness rocks out there? So they're rocks and people paint them different colors and they write kind or smile or all these nice messages on them. And then they put them around the neighborhood and a friend of she's, I actually, she's one of my clients and uh, she's a friend too. And she, she called me and she said, you know, I want to do this with my family. And do you want to come over? And, and, my initial thought, so here I am, I talk about kindness. And my initial thought was, oh, that's cute. And <laughs> it's a fun craft to do with your kids. And I didn't really see it any, to be honest, anything beyond that at yeah. that point. Yeah. And she did it with her kids. And then my husband and I were out, we went, we did a fundraiser for a men's um, addiction service. Okay. And we were walking and at lunchtime, we stopped and one of the men that was in the residence, he came up and he sat beside me, like, I just think, Oh, my gosh, what lesson was I supposed to learn out of this? And he, <laughs> he puts a rock right down in front of the two of us. And it said kind across it, it, it like it was all flaking and everything. And Aww. I looked and I said, Wow, I said, where did you get that from? And he told me how one day he had this really tough, tough day. And he said he didn't know how he was going to get through the day. And he turned around and he he saw this rock out of the corner of his eye by the sidewalk. And he said he picked it up and he thought, somebody made that rock for me. Somebody was giving me a message. And he put it in his pocket that day. And he said he carries it around with him every time he has a bad day. He remembers that somebody cares about him. And so here I am. I'm thinking, oh, a cute rock. This guy, it was his lifeline. Like this, this rock that said kind was a message for somebody that really cared about him. So unbelievable. We never know. You know, we do these little acts of kindness, but I've heard over and over and over again the person that receives them, it can be life changing for them. Yeah. You never know the power of your own words or actions and you never know what other people are experiencing. Absolutely. <laughs> so if you don't know all of those things, the best thing to do is to default to kindness anyway. Right? Default. You're <laughs> right. You're right. Um, so you have a special um, acronym for kind. I do. Can you tell us a bit about that? It is kind. kind. <laughs> yes. So K is for kinesthetic. And that is, you know, your smiles, your eye contact, your, your gestures. And, you know, as you and I were just talking about Zoom and, or even in, in, you know, it's funny, we wear these masks, but you can still smile with your eyes. eyes, If they close, you know, someone's smiling under that mask. And you can still have a big, you can still smile yourself and they can hear it in your tone of voice. Yes. And When you do those things, even on a a Zoom meeting like this, when you smile, 
we, we're, our, um, our brain has these neurons, it's a mirroring effect. So when yes. you smile, someone else smiles. Yes. And when you smile, you feel good, you're happy, and you've just made them happy. So um, it's really cool. There's our brain is wired to do this. So K is for kinesthetic. Kinesthetic. I is, okay. kinesthetic. I is for imagination. And okay. I think, you know, imagination can be planned and it can be spontaneous. So yeah. you can plan for things like I love that. And I've heard other people say the same thing as what you did um, in the sense that one, uh, one leader I was talking to almost the same story. She said she was overwhelmed and her staff pulled up their chair and said, give us one thing off of your to-do list. And if we can't do it, somebody oh, else will. It's, 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 the best gift like, the can you imagine? Right? <laughs> and she bawled. Like she, oh, yeah. just, oh, she, just, yeah. it, she just didn't know what to do. So, you mm. know, imagine the impact or, you know, can you imagine somebody hears, um, here's, a, here's you dealing with a tough customer, you know, you've got yeah. a tough, tough customer and somebody just walks over and says, that was a tough customer. Here's a cup of coffee. Just like, yeah. you don't even have to yeah. like coffee and you're just in love that this person thought of you right. to be able to bring that. Right. Yeah. And, you know, I hear of people working an extra 15 minutes for someone on their break, sure. just those little things to help someone out make yeah. a huge difference. Right. Massive. So yeah. using imagination and watching for clues, like you said, using compassion, watching when somebody's suffering, what can you do to help yeah. somebody out? So that's yeah. I, um, yeah. N is for neighbors. And so, you oh, know, neighbors. You neighbors. <laughs> when we used to be able to like <laughs> talk to each other and connect, yeah. <laughs> I know. But think about your neighbors. What did you do? You always waved and you said yeah. hi, right? Yeah. Or I remember when I moved into my first house, my neighbor bought me an apple pie. So I'll bring you. Oh, so cute. Yeah. Uh, or yeah. your neighbors, when my husband wasn't well, they brought my garbage to my garage door. So they do stuff for you. So when you yeah. think about neighbors in your workplace, who's your neighbor? And you know, it's kind of like your community, your yeah, neighbor. Like, yes. And they community really rallies when tough times show up. It's just amazing to see how neighbors will come together and, and take care of each other. It's pretty, they do. pretty powerful, right? It's powerful, but it's, it's funny. You said, you know, during tough times, they show up. This is a tough time and we're told yeah. we can't show up. Yeah. So we got to look at how can we still show up? Which there goes are back other to ways. imagination. And yeah, yes, and absolutely. And so your right. neighbor might be the person living with you that has to share, you know, the living room while you're on, you know, in the, the den or something while we're trying to jockey our, our space at home or your yeah. neighbor, there are still some people working in an office or yeah. your neighbor might be your child mm -hmm. or your neighbor might be your Zoom neighbor. Or yeah. the person on the elevator, right? As in your as you're going for groceries, and even yes. also in in you know, we think you and I and so many others, we used to volunteer together as a team, and yeah. we did that um, as a team builder. And so mm -hmm. you say, well, we can't do that anymore, but you can. There's yeah. there's so many things that we say we can't do, and that's fine. But start asking yourself, well, what can I do? Because yeah. you still can do it. And these can be great team builders to help help your community, help um, 
um, your neighbor at your previous location. So start being get, grabbing your imagination and, and finding that out. So that's mm -hmm. I, yes. and D is for deliberate. So as you and I talked about that intentional, that's, that's an important one. That's it really is for people to understand. Yeah. So from a corporate um, opportunity is, you know, what systems are in place? So I always, I always remember there was, um, his name is Mike Blake. He was the CEO of, um, of Home Depot and okay. half a day every, he's the CEO or CAO, half a day every week, he would write notes to staff recognizing great performance. Mm. That was how important it was. And he did that because he knew that they were the most important resource to him and he knew how important this was. So he made it intentional. Um, other leaders that I know once a week, they make it part of their meetings every mm -hmm. week and they don't, it's consistent. They don't veer from that. Right. Um, I know other leaders that they intentionally connect with a number of employees, whether it's every day or once a week one-on-one. -on -one. So um, is it, can you make it part of your system? Can you make it part of your process? And yeah. then on an, an individual level, can, do I have time to share a quick tip? Yes, of course. Yeah. So if you grab a post-it note and you write down three adjectives that you want people to use to describe you. So let's say for one is kind. Yeah. Um, one might be for me, it might be wise. One is, um, is listener. And you take that post-it note and you put it on your computer, you put it on your phone, because let's face it. If you want somebody to describe you as kind and you pick up the phone, you better be kind because they're not <laughs> going to describe you as kind if you don't. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And, and where it came into play for me was I had a challenging email that came through with my daughter. <laughs> and my first response was not to answer kindly. I like, I let it rip. That's when you draft it and walk away for a minute. <laughs> yes, but I wasn't going to actually, I was going to send because I was really upset and I caught that kind on my post-it note. And that's when I pressed delete and rewrote it. And when wow, I rewrote okay. it, yep. Yeah, I got an email back from her saying, sorry, mom, love you. I'll talk to you tonight. And I know I never would have got that response had I sent the first one, right? Yeah. So it keeps you on, it's powerful. It's a really great exercise. So to but you try. write it down for yourself. Like this is yes. how you would like people to be. Described. Yes. And then um, I have a couple other friends who are amazing leaders. And one of them has a personal goal of doing, doing two acts of kindness every single day. That's her wow. goal. And yeah. I said, why do you do, why do you do that? Why do you do two acts of kindness? She said, because if she didn't put a goal, she probably wouldn't get any. She said, so at least two, she, she knows she's going to get one done. And yeah. every day means that it's non-negotiable. So I thought that was pretty powerful. And then I have another friend. She's American. She said, put five pennies in your pocket. And every time you do an act of kindness, take it from one pocket and put it in the other. In the other. And yeah. I laughed. I said, you're American. So your five pennies are like worth five loonies <laughs> for us. And I, and still, you know what, you can do that once a week and then do something fun with those five loonies, but make it intentional, put a system or a process in place yeah. for you to do that. What I love about that is it almost connects back to the touch that we were talking about, you know, for touch for yourself and knowing your body and like, these tactile things like moving yeah. a penny from one pocket to another actually, I think, connects in our brain to, to mm -hmm. create a true habit. Mm -hmm. And, and 
and makes you feel like you're making progress. Yes. Worst thing is to lay something out and you feel like it's going nowhere. That yes. just demotivates people right away. That's, I, I hadn't thought about that. That's so true. We want to be able to, to see that, right? Yeah. Cause that makes you feel good too, right? It like sure does. Achieving. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, this has been an awesome conversation. I, for one, believe in the power of kindness. I know <laughs> you, you do. I can I tell. Do. I do. But thank yes. you for sharing your, your wisdom on that. And I, I really think it'll make a big difference in a lot of people's lives. So we appreciate it. Good. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. Yeah.